Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is September 29th. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, uh, guys, I apologize first and foremost for not having a recap up in time and also not having a proper recap. I'm going to try to go over some of my takeaways in this episode, but again, usually I have either some sort of scripted format or I have, uh, you know, a lot more stats available. Unfortunately, like this weekend, I had a really tough weekend where uh, I had to uh, take a family member to the emergency room really late at night. You know, thankfully everything appears to be going okay, but just over the last couple of days, I'm probably on like a combined like five hours of sleep. It's not looking good, but you know, hopefully, you know, going off the cuff is still good. You know, it might actually be beneficial being so tired. I'll be able to release some of that frustration. So I apologize. It may be a kind of negative episode in the sense, you know, the Dolphins didn't have necessarily a great game. At the end of the day, just know that I want the team to succeed much like how you guys do. And if I do let out some frustration, that's not to say that I don't support the team or that I lost faith in them. It's just a pretty negative outcome. And that brings with it some of these, uh, you know, negative reactions. But uh, first and foremost, my first takeaway that I have here, right, is I understand the sentiment on Twitter because I haven't seen Dolphins Twitter in general, you know, this distraught in such, uh, you know, a minute of time since the Brian Flores era kind of started, there was this kind of feeling of optimism where it seems like now you have the complete opposite reaction where you have people kind of completely flipping in the opposite direction saying, yeah, no, we, we recognize this. And to some degree, I understand because when you're watching it, it's hard not to draw comparisons and see the parallels from this offense, in particular with the other offenses in years past, whether it's the Changeli one, whether it is the Adam Gase one, where it seems like far too often the team is playing not to lose as opposed to uh, playing to win. I mean, you watch these other games, whether it's on Sunday night or Monday night, it's the Chiefs, it's the Ravens, it's one of these teams, and they're moving the ball a completely different way where it almost feels like, are we watching? the same sport where you watch the Dolphins on a week-to-week basis and the effort that it takes to go down the field on an 80-yard drive and you have to go pass by pass picking up five and then three and then hope you get the third down it just seems like it's so much more effort to do the exact same thing whereas these other teams I mean they're able to pick up 20 yards here and then they're able to connect on a big pass here where it's just like man I just wish The Dolphins had an offense that could do this. And even though you have a new system in terms of the offensive coordinators, if someone were to have told me, you know, this is the Changeli system, I mean, the outcome is so similar that it's hard not to draw the same comparisons or to have flashbacks of some of those moments. And I think the thing that people kind of yearn for is just aggression on the offensive side of the ball. Like, even if you're having performances like the Lions when they were losing and you saw Matt Stafford chucking balls downfield or you had, uh, you know, guys like Jameis Winston, even though even though he wasn't having success, at least he was trying to move the ball downfield with some aggression and play to win. And I think Dolphin fans, a lot of fans, you know, their glory is rooted in Dan Marino and his gunslinging mentality that having the complete opposite and having an offense where it's just so conservative and, you know, playing not to lose and, you know, taking a gain of three here and throwing a bubble screen here, it just runs so contrary 
to what Dolphin fans kind of became fans about. And I think that's why a lot of people, a lot of fans are frustrated. And I think to some degree, I mean, it's hard not to to see and understand why they are frustrated. And I think it's all, again, kind of rooted in the offense, which is all rooted in the struggles with the offensive line. Now, uh, to touch on it briefly, because uh, I think everyone else has said it, you know, just so many times, the, the pass to Jalen Waddle was an absolutely atrocious play call. Not only that, but Jacoby Brissett even looking in his direction. I mean, you watch Jalen Waddle come off the line, and he's standing there knowing, like, I'm not going to get the ball. Next thing you know, the ball is heading right towards him. There's not a single blocker in front of him. Horrible play call, but also a, ho- a horrible decision to even make that pass by Jacoby Brissett. Uh, definitely not something that you're ever going to want to see again. But I think we could all agree on that, and we can move past that topic. But the next one that's kind of a major takeaway is, well, was that a defensive pass interference on Will Fuller in the end zone? And I'm saying, I'd have to say, yeah. And I'm not saying that out of a place of being a Dolphins fan, but just kind of sometimes you could tell by, uh, you know, the kind of style of the game. Are they letting them play physical? Is there a lot of contact in this game? That wasn't the case in this game. I mean, there was no feeling of, okay, they're letting these guys play. They're letting them, you know, duke it out. There was no feeling of that. So when Will Fuller on that play gets dragged down as the ball's flying over his head, I would think that you have to call that play with, you know, as serious as that kind of play has in terms of the outcome of the game. I I think you have to call it. But in that same way, it's hard for me to say, because I know that that play would have given the Dolphins a win, but it's hard for me to be completely distraught over not getting that call just because the Dolphins, they played so poorly. I mean, they had so many drives that were kept alive, you know, a roughing the passer uh, on Jacoby Brissett, a helmet-to-helmet hit on Jalen Waddle, a roughing the pass, uh, a rough, unnecessary roughness, I mean, along the sidelines, where it seemed like more so, uh, you know, the Raiders were trying everything in their power to lose this game. And the Dolphins just couldn't seize that opportunity to win it. And it was hard for me to say that the Dolphins deserve that win. It was frankly a shock that it even was that close at the end. Now, the defensive side of the ball in this game, I thought looked great at the beginning. I mean, we saw Emmanuel Ogba kind of doing his thing. I thought Derek Carr was kind of struggling at the beginning of this game. It looked like he was going to have legitimately like 60 pass attempts in this game. He was just throwing it. No success, no success. The running game was completely neutralized. Peyton Barber, Kenyon Drake, nothing was going on there. It looked like the defense was throwing driving. You had the Atlanta Roberts pick six. It had all the makings of one of these games where it's like, wow, the Dolphins are actually going to do this. They came out the underdogs, but it's an any given Sunday type of win kind of Sunday. But yet uh, we saw the offense struggling. And I think that's where the defense kind of started to sputter out of control a little bit. And it all started with Peyton Barber starting to have a career day. The guy would finish with a career high over hundred yards rushing. Mind you, this is a guy that wasn't even on the team up until recently when Josh Jacobs got hurt. This is also a guy that over the past two years, you know, under three yards a carry last year, barely over three in 2019. He is not a great running back. And he came out here and he was just dicing up the Dolphins defense in the second half. And it was, you know, something I've been kind of uh, saying pretty frequently that the Dolphins have issues stopping the run. And I've mentioned it myself on other instances where, okay, if you remove this one play, the Dolphins defense did pretty good at stopping the run because they were able to adapt and it shows that they were able to make adjustments. But when they come out in the next week against the Buffalo Bills and give up another big play to Devin Singletary, it's like, okay, well, I don't know if we can necessarily remove that play. And then when they give up big plays to Peyton Barber, then it turns into, okay, 
Well, part of stopping the run at this point also includes preventing the big play. We can't say on a weekly basis, well, if you remove the big plays, you know, the Dolphins did great. There comes a point where stopping the big play becomes a needed element. You can't just remove it every single week. So I'm hoping the Dolphins could address this need uh, for stopping the run sooner rather than later. But I do think it's kind of a more of an issue than a lot of people are kind of uh, caring to notice at this point. But again, the, I thought the defense came out here looking great. I think uh, the offense's struggle was kind of what caused the defense to sputter out of control. I really like the scheme and putting Byron Jones on Darren Waller. We saw Waller have a field day on Eric Rowe. I thought that was a very smart matchup, putting Byron Jones in that spot and mixing it up. I thought that was good. It seemed like Darren Waller, when he did have plays, it was more so when Jerome Baker was the guy who was on him. Um, but yeah, I thought he had a good outing. Darren Waller was a guy over the last seven games, averaging 118 yards receiving. Absolutely ridiculous stats. Like wide receiver one stats, a guy's a tight end. 6'6", six, six, how do you even defend that? But putting Byron Jones on him, just over 50 yards, neutralized him to some degree. I like that play. I thought that was pretty good. Now, as we look forward to this game against the Indianapolis Colts, a lot of people are calling it a must-win game, and I wouldn't necessarily say it's a must-win in terms of, well, what would happen at the end of the season and whether they could make the playoffs, but in terms of a morale standpoint, in terms of, you know, keeping the headlines from absolutely roasting you, in terms of, you know, uh, making sure the fans still have hope, then yeah, in that regard, yeah, I think it is a must-win game because right now, fans have absolutely turned on the team to a degree that I haven't seen in several years. It, it looks really bad right now. And I think it's because people are kind of starting to think that, uh, you know, the team is again, once again, in that limbo, in that purgatory where you have a good team that is capable of beating the bad teams. But you know, at the end of the day, well, can they compete with the elite teams? Can they compete with the teams that you have to face in the playoffs? And just based on the eye test, it seems like the Dolphins are still a little bit too far away from competing at that point. Everyone's going to say, well, if you're not competing with them, then you're not competing at all. And, you know, frankly, that's a good uh, take to have when a lot of people thought this was going to be a year where the Dolphins were going to be legitimately in the playoffs and not just squeezing into the playoffs, but able to cause damage in the playoffs. But now it seems like they're a team that, you know, can hardly compete with, you know, uh, above average teams. And I think that's uh, why fans are so frustrated. They recognize that the team appears to be back in that limbo. And uh, one thing that kind of, uh, you know, I can't help but uh, kind of think in the back of my mind, I don't know how much of a factor this plays into it, uh, but, you know, do the Dolphins, did they put too much trust in some of these younger guys and not keeping the leadership element here? I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, in terms of performance, there may not be a drastic drop-off, if any. I mean, Tua may even be better than Fitzpatrick was last year. Um, but uh, in terms of a leadership element, having that veteran, the guy that, you know, the team can turn to when things are starting to go uh, you know, a little bit haywire when stuff starts to hit the fan that you can look at this guy and he's seen absolutely everything in this league. Are the Dolphins missing that element? The same thing on the defensive side of the ball. Kyle Van Noy wasn't necessarily elite. He wasn't necessarily, you know, a game-changing dynamic player defensively, but he was a guy that it seemed like he took a lot of these younger guys under his wing. But now when you look at the Dolphins roster and you look at, well, who are the guys who have been here and, uh, you know, uh, veterans on this team, 
there aren't too many of those guys where it looks like there's kind of this missing element. Well, who's commanding this team when start when stuff starts to go astray? You know, when everything starts to get chaotic, who can the team turn to? And I think that may be an element of this team that is missing currently that you have a lot of young guys and I applaud them for taking on this leadership kind of mentality. You know, I I can tell that guys like Brandon Jones want to be the guy. I can tell that Javon Holland and, you know, players like that, the same way that the Cowboys were, you know, praising Micah Parsons. But at some point, I think there needs to be a kind of commanding veteran who understands what's happening and can kind of reassure some of these younger guys about what needs to be done in those big moments. And I'm not sure if that's on the team currently. But those are just some of my thoughts and some of my takeaways. Again, that's kind of just off the cuff. I don't necessarily have anything in front of me uh, like I typically do. And again, I apologize. I'll hopefully get back to my previous format that I had in other episodes. Uh, But guys, that is how I'm going to wrap it up. As always, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so. That is at ShadySteven and at ViaTheSource. Any questions, topics, things you'd like for me to discuss in a future episode, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter and I would gladly discuss it in the next episode. But guys, that is how I'm going to wrap it up. Until next time, I'm Steven Masso and this was Via the Source.